Good evening, Reckless. How's it going? All right. I see all my my friends out there. Well, I just want to say before we get going, first of all, my name is Steve. I am uh, been on staff here for, you know, since Noah was on the earth. Um, For 17 years, almost 17 years, Brian and I have been serving here at the church together with Paul. And um, it's just been an awesome, it is an awesome opportunity to be able to to share with you uh, some of the things from the scriptures tonight. Um, I began my, uh, my ministry a number of years ago um, in student ministry. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. Uh, but it's been a long time since I've had the opportunity to talk to kids, and so I, I feel a little bit rusty. And so for that reason, uh, I am really grateful that you are letting me stand up or sit down in front of you and, and talk to you about some things from uh, God's Word to us tonight. And so thank you for letting me be here. I appreciate it very, very much. I'm excited to be here. How many people are going to Rush Camp this uh, summer? Wow. 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 No kidding. Are you guys excited? Man. Can I just tell you something? Can I just say something? I've been to where you're going to Rush Camp before um, as part of the camp in years past. And uh, can I, I went to summer camp at a place called Camp Mahaffey. All of the older leaders in the room will understand what I'm talking about. You couldn't get any further away from the type of camp that I went to than the camp that you get to go to. I mean, not only did we not have an ocean and a high rise and all this other, you know, uh, condo and all this other stuff, hotel to, to stay in and all the kind of food that you get. I mean, we didn't even have running water. I mean, and we're, we stayed in these old little rooms and, and, and I literally in like a, a thing that's shaped like a barn. And uh, we had mat, uh, pads that, that were on the floor and we didn't even have running water. Well, that's one thing if you don't get to shower for a week. But guess what else that you don't get to do for a week? Use the restroom inside anywhere. So the place that I went to was a place called Mahaffey, and they had this thing, 18 outhouses. How many of you guys even have ever seen in person an outhouse before? Have any of you, how many of you have no idea what I'm even talking about? You do not? Okay, you all do? You guys kind of know what I'm talking about? Well, they had this thing called Club Mahaffey. There was 18 back-to-back, nine back-to-back outhouse seats in one big building over top of a pit. Okay, that's, and that's how you use the restroom. And can I tell you something? It was the grossest thing ever. And from the time I was about this big all the way up through high school, that's the summer camp experience that I had. So I want you to just tell you, I want to tell you right here, enjoy Rush, enjoy every bit of it because it's an awesome thing. But I'll tell you what, when I was there at Camp Mahaffey, um, not only was it just, was it rough and was it a bit crude, but I tell you what, God really met me there. Um, a number of times. We had some great experiences there as a family. It was a family camp. We all went as a whole family every summer growing up, and I loved it. And God really spoke to me um, in a number of times in a number of ways when I was there at summer camp. So I'm excited for that for you as well. So how many seniors do we have in the room? How many seniors? Wow, Todd, that's a lot. Wow. So you guys getting ready to go off to either... um, Go off to uh, college or whatever is uh, next for you after high school. Kind of either way, you're going to kind of be on your own, making a lot of your own decisions. I went to Liberty University. Um, That's where Brian and Paul and Dave and myself kind of got to know each other. After we graduated from um, school together, well, Brian and I graduated together. Paul was a lot younger. Um, 
we kind of went off our own ways, came back a number of years later to start this church. And uh, while I was at Liberty, um, you know, I was there to study, I was there to learn. My parents dropped me off um, in 1984 as a freshman at Liberty. And when I waved goodbye to them, they were the only people I knew within eight hours of that campus. There were like four to 6,000 people on campus at the time, and I didn't know a single soul. So to say that my freshman, the first semester of my freshman year was a, a little bit daunting, a little bit fearful, was probably an understatement. But let me tell you something. I learned how to do college pretty fast, and it was really fun. I was learning about biology. I was learning math. I was learning science. I was learning the Bible. I was learning all these great things, and I was also learning a lot of, of mischief. Because if you put t- uh, 25 rooms on one floor of 18 and 19-year-old guys in a dormitory room shoved four guys into a room who have never been away from their parents. And most of the people who, uh, that I remember being in my dorm floor, very, very few of them uh, lived in town there. Their parents were far away. So you take all of these 18-year-old rambunctious uh, kids who are, have freedom like they've never had before, put them into uh, a crowded room like that, dorm uh, like that, and, uh, and give them a little bit of free time, And some crazy things can happen in that dorm. So I was learning some crazy, mischievous things. You know what I learned? I learned that if you take a a large uh, bottle, or whatever you would call it, of baby powder, and if you put a pile, you take that whole bottle of baby powder, and you put it underneath, right at the door frame, at the bottom of the door, the little part that has a little bit of crack at the bottom of the door, if you take that and put a whole thing of baby powder there and then you get a, a leaf blower and blow it up underneath the door, that what happens on the inside of that room is a complete winter wonderland. And everything, listen to me, everything in that room turns ghost white. Everything, living and non-living. And so there was these, these rooms that would get into these wars between war, rooms that would kind of get into a feud and these battles, and they would try to outdo the other with pranks. I tell you what, college is the most incredible place to learn pranks. And so I learned that. I also learned while I was at college that, you know, if you t- remember those things, those trash cans you see in, in large, you may remember these, in large um, uh, facilities that, that are square, and they kind of have the top, and they, they kind of, each side kind of goes in like this, and they're really big and large and square. If you fill one of those things up with water and put it, and, and put it over on its, on its edge like this, just barely, barely balanced, and you just barely lean it against the door of your college uh, room or somebody else's college room, and then you knock on the door, and then you run away, it'll put an inch of water in their room on their carpet just like that. So there were some, incra- some crazy things that we, um, that we learned at college. But listen, here's... What's important? Here's what's important for me. When I looked back at the things that I learned at college, it was all of the, the reading, writing, and scripture, and all of other things. But I tell you what, God spoke to me in a lot of ways. Um, and he was forming within me a dream that I had. God, from the time that I was relatively young, I believed, I, I felt like God was speaking to me and saying that I want to use you, Steve, to do important things um, in your life. I want to use that. When I went to college, um, a lot of the places that I went, um, really God used those places, places like Pate's Chapel in my dorm room on the, on the, on the circle side 
in dorm three in my freshman year. God used those places um, to really speak to my heart. And so there, I wasn't always why, sure why I was there sometimes. I felt confused. Sometimes I felt frustrated. I struggled with doubt in myself and in God. I believed that God had saved me. I believed that, I had, uh, that he had a desire to use me. And there were a lot of moments there, both at Mahaffey and at my time at Liberty, where I really believed, I really felt that God was telling me that he wanted to use me, but I was making lots of mistakes back then. I was selfish. I was undisciplined. I was arrogant. I was cocky. But despite all of that, I really believe that during those times, God was growing me and and speaking within me, promising me that he wanted to use me to grow people and to help people through me. And so I'm glad this this evening that we are starting a brand new series, this series that that Todd and his team has come up with called Uncommon. Uncommon. And we want to encourage any of you who believe that there is at some point in your lives God has spoken to you and told you not only that he is willing to save you, but also that he wanted to really use you in some way to bring other people near to him. So we've titled titled this series Uncommon because there is nothing in my mind, there is nothing uncommon or common about ordinary or even normal about being used by God. For you, if God has called you, if you believe that at some point in your life, God has kind of spoken into your heart and just said, whoever you are, I want to use you. I want to do things in you beyond just saving you, beyond just giving you forgiveness. I want to literally use you to bring people near to me. There is nothing common about that. God, the maker of the universe, who took his finger and divided the mountains from the flatlands, who carved the water from dry, from dry ground, who made the planets revolve around the sun in such a way that you and I can breathe and have life, and who made the Milky Way just one of an infinite number of galaxies. And that is the God that has spoken to you and said, I accept you, I desire you, I forgive you, I want to bless you, and I'm going to use you. So if you've experienced even the small part, the smallest part of that, then I think that this series is for you. We want to encourage you to step into Jesus, to trust him, and to be willing to live an uncommon life that really promises uncommon things. So tonight, tonight specifically, we want to get a few words of encouragement from one of the great characters of the Old Testament, a guy who lived in Old Testament times by the name of Joseph. Now, Joseph was one of those people who were mentioned also in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, there is what we are call um, the hall of faith. And in there, there were, uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about all these great men and women who lived out a life of faith. And they were just these great uh, uh, giants of the faith. Guys like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, Moses, Women like Rahab and, and Sarah, all of these people were, were, were people that God had used to do incredible things and who walked lives of faith. And, and Joseph was one of those people. But listen to what it says about them in Hebrews chapter 12. And I believe this is going to be on the screen for you. It says, therefore, since we were surrounded by these people, a great cloud of witnesses, 
are looking down on us, who are cheering us on, the scripture implies. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. So I wonder what it would be like if we could call out to Joseph, sitting up in the stands, having already lived his entire life and finished well. If we could call out to him and say, Joseph, I wonder if you wouldn't come out here and let us just ask you a few questions about your life. And so if he was standing here and and we had a chance to question him, here's what I think that he would say to us based on the life that he lived. That he would say to you as you walk through your life, called out and, and invited to do great things for God. Here's what he would say. I just think it would be as simple as this. Don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. Joseph's story began with a dream. God visited him when he was just 17 years old and showed him that his brothers would one day bow down before him. That was his dream. It was really bizarre. And then God confirmed it with a a second dream and this time expanded it to include his mother and his father along with all of his brothers bowing down before him. And it would be a long and difficult road from the time God gave him these dreams until they would, it would eventually become a reality. And if there's one thing that I think that is clear from Joseph's story, it's that his story was full of ups and downs. Here's a guy that went from being sold into slavery, then being made chief in command in Potiphar's house, then acu- falsely accused of of wanting to to be with Potiphar's wife and then thrown into jail and then forgotten in jail and then being brought out of jail and being made the leader over all of Egypt. So So if Joseph was standing in front of us today, here's what I believe that his encouragement would be to you as high school students and to me as someone still learning. Don't give up. Don't give up on the dream that God has put in your heart. Another thing that I think that Joseph this great warrior of the faith would say to you and to me, based on his story is this, don't give up, don't give up, even if you haven't started off that well. When we first meet Joseph at the age of 17, he's given what the Bible says as a bad report on his brothers. He's basically selling out his brothers. He's narking on them. Look what Genesis um, Chapter 37, which is where his story begins, we'll start with verse 2. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, who is Jacob, that is Jacob, that's his spiritual name is Israel. But Jacob, his father, loved Joseph more than any other of his other sons, which is problematic in and of itself, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. Basically, he created a a token of his favoritism towards Joseph in the way of a multicolored coat. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him, and they could not speak a kind word to him. So in the midst of all of this family turmoil and dysfunction, It says that Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. They hated him all the more. Now, Joseph's dream 
was that his brothers were going to bow down in reverence and humility before him. And that they were uh, beginning here, as we see right here, it isn't looking too good so far. At this point in this whole story, they can't stand him. They hate him. They resent everything about him. And it kind of reminds me of a, of a story of a guy named Paul in the New Testament. Paul had an affinity towards God. I mean, he, had a, he, he really had a, a belief in God. In fact, he was going around, instead of being helpful to the very plans of God that God had for his people, he's going around throwing them in jail and, and throwing anyone who was calling themselves a Christ follower in jail, seeing them stones and just generally doing everything he could to see them persecuted. And then God meets him on a road, a dirt road on his way to Damascus. And he tells him what he's doing. And he tells him that he's persecuting his church. And then Paul has a change of heart. Paul begins to to see that God has a, a real dream for his life, a right dream for his life. And God speaks that to him, sends him away for three years of kind of training, and he comes back after this really, really rough start. And he writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So I wonder if you have had a rough start to your journey. I wonder if you feel that you have somehow failed. When God spoke to you, maybe God spoke to you at camp. Maybe he, spoke, he has spoken to you here. Maybe you've been reading the scriptures and God just kind of said, you know what? I have something for you. I want you to serve me. I want to just forgive you. I want to do something really special for you. And somehow you feel that you failed. You've somehow done something or been something or been someone that God can or won't use. But listen to what I want to tell you right now. God would never, ever want you to believe. And the enemy will always want you to believe that you have somehow ruined your dream. God would never want you to believe that. The enemy that is real in your life would always want you to believe that. And it just isn't true. Because it isn't your dream, and it wasn't Joseph's dream. It was God's dream that he put in Joseph for his purposes. And so I think that what Joseph would say to us here is, in light of all of his life that he's lived, I think what he would say is, don't give up on your dream Don't give up on your dream, even if you've had a rough start of it, even if it's been a rough go so far. Another thing that I think that Joseph would say to you and to me if he was sitting here and we could kind of talk to him, in light of his life, I think he would say, don't give up on what God has spoken to you, even if those closest to you don't support you. Look at what happened when Joseph had his dream. Verse 5 of Genesis chapter 37. Joseph had a dream, and and we told it to his brothers. They hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had, because I think he was just trying to understand it. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright. A sheaf is like a bundle of grain. And while your bundle of grain gathered around mine and bowed down to it, and his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. And then he had another dream, a confirming dream. 
And he told it also to his brothers. And again, I think he's just trying to understand. This isn't something he's asked for. He's laying asleep at night and God visits him with this dream. And he says, listen, I have this dream. I had another one. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you have? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down on the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. So Joseph has this dream in his heart. He has something that he believes that God is speaking to him about. And here's what happens. His brothers don't believe him. His brothers hate him. His father questions it. His brothers will eventually plot to kill him. They'll steal his coat, throw him down into a a dry well, and they'll sell him to a group of Midianite slave traders. They'll literally sell him into human trafficking. They're going to take that coat that their father gave to him that I'm sure was very, very important to him. They're going to dip it down into wool's blood or lamb's blood and go back and lie to their father and say that he was killed. I think the one thing that David or that uh, Joseph would certainly say is, you can't give up on your dream even if those closest to you don't support you. Because oftentimes it's those that who are closest to us who will doubt us the most. Sometimes it's those closest to us that have the hardest time believing that God is doing something significant in us. Joseph certainly understood that, and so his words to us wouldn't be, would be, don't give up even if those around you don't support you. Well, a third thing that I think that Joseph would say, if we could just talk with him for just a few minutes, is I think he would say to you, in the dream that God has put into your heart, if he has, don't give up, even when you feel like nothing is happening with your dream. Don't give up, even if you feel that nothing is happening with your dream. All kinds of time and all kinds of stuff happen in Joseph's life from the time that he received his dream from God until it was completely fulfilled. A lot of life has passed by between those teenage years and the time when his brothers would bow before him and Joseph would say to them, I love you. Joseph would say to them when when they would finally come near the end of their lives and bow down before him in reverence. At first, they didn't even know who he was. But when they did, he said, I love you. I'm here for you. I want to help you. I want to bless you. And the fulfillment of God's dream in Joseph's life happened. Can I just share an encouraging verse from you? If you are just like me and feel like God has put something in your heart that says, I truly am going to use you to be uncommon. Uncommon. Habakkuk 2.3 says this. For the revelation, the revelation is a dream. It's it's what God has put in your heart. For your revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. What is the end? The end is whatever God's purposes are. It speaks of God's purposes, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, and it will not delay. Can I share a principle with you? Can I share an important principle with you that I hope that you'll remember? God is much more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. 
God is much more concerned about your character than he is your comfort. Joseph started out as this little boy at 17, or this young man at 17. God spoke to him. He took him through hell and high water. Good times, the greatest of times, to the worst of times. Because God was building within him character. And God is much more concerned about that than he is making life easy for us. A lot of times when we pray, what are we looking for? We're praying for the hands of God to move. God, I have this issue in my life. I have this struggle in my life. This thing or that thing isn't going well, and I'm just struggling with it, and I'm just frustrated with it. God, fix this problem for me. And God said, I am fixing this problem for you. Because your problem isn't this little situation that you feel. The problem is your character. And that's what I'm most concerned about. I'm concerned about building in you more than I am doing for you. And so he's going to take you through difficult times. He's going to take you through difficult days. You can count on it. He's going to take you through difficult weeks, weeks and even years while he's growing you into the man or into the woman that he has promised you to make you. When I was thinking about this talk, um, it was remembering a lot of, of my younger years in ministry. I'm 48, a couple years, I'm going to be the big old 5-0. And I remember when I first came out of seminary, I was um, about 23 years old. I had just gotten married. Um, I'd been through Bible college and then was in seminary, did a, a short internship, and then I had my first ministry in Boca Raton, Florida. I don't know if any of you know anything about South Florida, especially in Boca Raton, Florida, but it's one of the wealthiest areas in the whole country of the United States. And I didn't grow up that way at all. I was a pastor's son. My wife or my mom stayed home the whole time I was growing up, so we didn't have very much money at all. I was literally going uh, to minister to a group of kids. I would go into their homes, and they would have live-in servants in their homes uh, serving their family. There, it wasn't uncommon for me to visit one of my, the kids in, in their room or in their house and for them to have an elevator between floors of their homes, and they're in South Florida. Million-dollar homes, two, three, eight, ten million-dollar homes. These were the kind of people that, uh, that lived there and went to the church that I was my first ministry. I was so, I, I can't even tell you how uncomfortable I was. I didn't feel like I had much to, in common with these kids at all. And I was going home at night, and I was praying with Christy over them, and I was reading the Scripture, and I was trying so hard to, um, to, to get into their hearts and to get into their lives and, and to teach them what I believed God was showing me to teach them. And after two or three years, i got to tell you, man, I felt like an absolute failure. God didn't seem to be giving me any favor with these kids at all. And I can remember just as, as though, guys, it was yesterday, laying face first down on, that, on, the, on the student room, upstairs in the building, in the ministry building where we met with our, our kids um, throughout, in, in during the week. And I was laying face down on the floor. And I was worried that somebody was going to come in because i got to be honest with you, I was crying like a child. And I felt so alone. I, I believed that God was using me. I believed that God, or that God wanted to use me. I believed that God was giving me good things to share with these, with these middle and high school students. And I just felt after a couple of years like it just wasn't going anywhere. And I felt just like Joseph 
that, man, God had given me a dream, but it just didn't seem like that dream was happening. Now, I ended up being there almost nine years, and after that second, third, and fourth year, I think they finally realized that the love that I had for him was genuine, the love that my wife had for him was genuine, and when we left, we had the most incredible experience of love and affection that we, got, uh, that we showed to each other in the months leading um, from my departure from there to come here and start our church. They raised money together with their parents and handed me a check of over $20,000 for me to live, um, to live on. Micah was two. Sydney was only a couple of months old when we came here to live. But there was a time when I didn't think God was remembering his dream to me. And if I think that Joseph was here, I think one of the things he would say is, don't give up even when you feel that nothing is happening with your dream. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. And I just give you an encouragement. Between this moment in your lives, whatever God is saying to you, and the time when God is going to to, uh, really work in fulfilling that dream, focus on what is happening in you rather than than what is happening to you. Focus on what God is doing in you instead of what is happening to you. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 is a huge encouragement to me, and I hope it's an encouragement to you. Listen to what it says. It says, I know know how great this makes you feel. Even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime, pure gold put in the fire, listen to this, comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, talking about at the end, when your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. So here's a final thought for you. Here's a final thought for you, because guys, I really, really, really want to encourage you as you live lives, and I believe you're going to, that are uncommon, that are, un, uh, that are unusual, as God lives out his dream in your life, that every dream goes through tough times, but God is always with you. God is always with you, and I can say that because I know that God is always in you. I want to share with you a fantastic piece of scripture, Psalm 139, starting with verse 7. I just have everyone look at this, and I want you to read it, and I want you to think about this. Listen to what he says. Is there any place I can go to avoid you, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, God, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on the morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. You're there. Every dream goes through tough times, but God is always with you. There are going to be times, guys, when you live out the rest of your high school life, when you are accepting Todd's challenge and the challenge of, of God himself to live a life that is, that is so different than a lot of the other people that are around you, and you're going to feel like, man, where are you, God? And I want you, you have got to come back to this verse, guys. You have got to come back to this verse and remember that God says, you can't go anywhere or do anything that I'm not right there with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. 
My dream is alive in you. It's my dream that I'm living out in you, and I'll make it come to pass. And so let me ask you a question. Do you know that God has something special for you? Do you? Has God spoken to you here in this room in in times past? What about rush camps in years past? What about times when, when you were younger, maybe with your parents or with friends, and God kind of reminded you and said, I have something unique for you to do. You know what um, sometimes for, um, doubt looks like? Doubt looks like oftentimes like forgetting. You just kind of wander away, and you just kind of forget that God told you at some point in your life that he wanted to do great things in you. And so this next few weeks, we're going to be talking to you, encouraging you. We want to come along beside you. We want to lift up your arms and say, listen, you can do it. Stay with it. We want to just encourage you to do what God has called you and, and encourage you to do. Okay? That's our hope. That's Joseph's hope. That's the Holy Spirit's word to you. That's what God wants you to know. I want to invite you to close your eyes and pray with me if you will. I love, love, love the story of Joseph. You know what's true? Joseph, when he was living out his dream, when he was trying to live into the dream that God put in his heart, he had no idea how huge his dream was. He thought his dream was about his brothers and his family bowing down before him so that he could turn, in turn bless them and provide for him. He went to the end of his life thinking that's what his dream was about. Can I tell you something? That's not what his dream was about. It was so much bigger than that. If you take the life of Jesus and you lay it over the life of Joseph, you will see parallel after parallel after parallel. Joseph's life, Joseph's story is a foreshadow of what Jesus was going to come to do to save the world. That's what his dream was all about. So can I just give you a final encouragement right now? You have no idea how important the dream that God has put in your heart is. You just don't. You just don't. What God has called you and wants you to do is not earth-sized. It is God-sized. And one day, one day, God is going to put his arm around you and he's going to open up and reveal all that, he's, all that he's done and all that he's put in your heart, what he put in your heart and what he did through it, what he did in you and through you that you will never understand on this earth because God is so huge. God is so sovereign. So I hope tonight that you will be encouraged with this very thing. God is at work in you. God does have a plan for your life. God does have a dream. That thing that you feel, that thing that you have felt, God calling you, asking you to step out from among everybody else and live uncommon, that is a bigger dream than you could ever, ever imagine. Joseph's life, Joseph's life was a foreshadowing of what God was going to do for the entire world. 
And I wonder what God is going to do in me. I wonder what God is doing in me. I wonder what he's going to do in you. Stay with your dreams. Stay, stay with what God has done and is doing in you. God, I just want to pray encouragement over these students tonight. And even not just the students, but the, but the leaders as well. We are all in the midst of living out what we believe you have purposed in our life to do and to be. God, those closest to us can sometimes be the greatest discouragement to us. You put in my heart, God, that sometimes it's not just our, our, uh, our paternal family, our maternal family, that, that is a discouragement to us. Sometimes, God, it's our spiritual family because we're all on a journey together. And so, God, I just pray that whether it's from within or from without, God, that the discouragements that we face as we're trying to live out what we believe God has done in our lives, that, God, we would just remember that it's from you and it's for you and it's personal. It's between us and you. And so, God, I just pray that we wouldn't, that we'd be patient with each other, that we'd be loving to one another, that we'd be an encouragement to one another. God, that's why you gave us one another. And so I pray over these students. I ask God that the thing that you've put into their heart would prove to be true, that they would work with you, that they would labor with you to make it an incredible reality in their lives as they grow up into life and into ministry. And you would do incredible things through their lives. In Jesus' name we pray over them. Amen. Amen.